0: ouch. I'm glad that's over, aren't you? I mean, listening to all of those sayings from Jesus that went on and on and on, you have heard that it was said, but I say to you, that was brutal. Anybody here feeling good about themselves right now? I didn't think so. I was at a clergy retreat this past week hanging out with other Anglican priests and deacons when Someone asked me if I had written my sermon for this Sunday yet, to which I said no. And his response tapped into what I was feeling at the time. He said, Well, good luck. <laughs> good luck because it's a tough passage to preach. Well, indeed. At that time, today's reading from Matthew had been rolling around in my head for a few days. I had already studied the passage some, read a few commentaries, and so I was beginning to formulate a few ideas about how to come at this difficult text. And yes, I knew it was a hard one, but even still, when this man made that comment, it stuck in my head. He said it's a tough passage to preach. Yes, we've heard things like this before, especially with the so-called hard sayings of Jesus. Where there are certain things that Jesus says that, quite frankly, embarrass us, that shock our sensibilities, and we're unsure how to explain them. Jesus is definitely not one to tickle our ears. So what are we to do with these kinds of sayings? So I get it, yes, it's a tough passage to preach, but, but still, might we also be missing something? I mean, here we are in the middle of the most popular teaching of Jesus in all four gospel accounts, the Sermon on the Mount, hailed as one of the greatest visions ever offered for life with God and others, and all we can do is cringe and complain about how challenging it is for us to unpack. Might we instead hear this tough passage afresh this morning from another angle? And discovered that these hard words, these difficult instructions are actually more to be desired than gold, as the psalmist says. Sweeter than honey dripping from the honeycomb. What if that was our response? Well, if that's to be the case, perhaps we should begin not with our gospel passage, but with our Old Testament reading from Deuteronomy 30. Because there we can listen to the good news that accompanies the commandments of God. See, the Lord says, I have set before you today life and prosperity. If you obey the commandments of the Lord by loving the Lord your God, walking in his ways, observing his commandments, then you shall live and become numerous. And the Lord will bless you in the land that you are entering to possess. I think we forget this, that in the Old Testament, the law wasn't a burden, it was a gift. It was given as a gift of life. It was something that God's people often delighted in. They they celebrated God's law. Thank you, Lord, for you have revealed to us how to live in peace, how how to flourish as a people, how to be fully human. Praise the Lord for his commandments. In fact, our psalm selection today was the opening verses from the longest psalm of them all, Psalm 119, this huge acrostic poem that is devoted to, get this, to giving thanks for the incredible blessing of God's law and commandments. That's the attitude toward God's commandments that people had in the Old Testament. It was a gift of life. The law in the Old Testament was never some tough passage to preach. It wasn't an, an embarrassing thing to obey. No, it was a, a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Who wouldn't want that? Praise the Lord for giving us the way that leads to life. And then we get to Jesus who says, But you know, this law is bunk, it's old news, outdated. We need something completely fresh and in keeping with the times. So out with the old and in with the new. No. I mean, yes, something new is happening all right with Jesus. But this new thing that is happening, get this, is not antithetical to the law. In fact, earlier in our passage from Matthew, we recall that Jesus says, don't you think that I have come to abolish the law? No, no, no. I have not come to abolish it, but to fulfill the law. You see, Jesus is not anti-law. It's unfortunate that Christian teachers today sometimes talk like this, as if Jesus came to throw away those old and dusty commandments for something new and shiny, perhaps something called grace, as if grace was not invented until 33 AD. Let's not talk this way. For Jesus did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. And that means much more than just doing everything the law says. The word fulfill actually means to bring to completion. Jesus has come to fulfill the law in the sense that his teachings brings the flower of the law to full bloom. Jesus is the one who reaches down into the very heart of the law and pulls out God's true intentions so that Jesus' teachings fill out the Old Testament law by extending it, intensifying it, deepening it. That's what Jesus is doing in our passage today when he says, You have heard that it was said... But I say to you, he's he's getting at the heart of what God's law is all about. But unfortunately, if you pick up any commentary on Matthew, four out of five of them will call these sayings antitheses. That's the common label for what's going on here in academic circles. Antitheses, a term that means opposites or teachings that oppose each other. But that's only because it's become fashionable these days to assume that the law of Christ is opposed to the law of Moses, that they are antithetical to each other. But that is certainly not the case. For a true antithesis would actually go something like this You have heard that it was said, You shall not murder, but I say to you, Lock and load. unsheathe your swords. Now that's an antithesis. But clearly, this is not what Jesus is doing. His words are not in opposition to the law, but rather an extension of the law. Because Jesus is getting at the very heart of what the law is all about, and and the very heart of the law is love. Teacher, someone once asked Jesus, which commandment in the law is the greatest? <laughs> Usually Jesus likes to answer a question like this with another question or a riddle or parable, but not this time. No, he takes a swing at this slow pitched softball and says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. All the law and the prophets come to completion in love for God and love for neighbor. And according to Jesus, such love is not surface level and full of warm fuzzies. No, it's a deep commitment to the well-being of other people. You see, the law is not just about behavior. It's not just about following the letter of the law. It's about the heart. It's about your intentions, about your thoughts. It's not enough for Jesus' followers to refrain from murder. No, it's deeper than that, right? You must also not harbor anger or resentment. There's internal work to be done to become a person of love inside and out. This is why Jesus can say that unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. That's because the Pharisees, though, they're really good at following the letter of the law, they're really lousy at the renovation of the heart. They are not people of love. Perhaps then you notice that all of these sayings of Jesus, these four, not antitheses, but extensions, they all deal with relationships, don't they? Relationships that are broken, broken by anger, by lust, divorce, taking oaths. I think that's important for us to see because remember, Jesus from the very outset is is seeking to form a radical new community, right? A community that's people in relationships, That is central to his kingdom vision, a new society. We could even say a new humanity. But it is a community that must not be content just to follow rules and regulations to achieve some sort of mechanical obedience. Or a community that that stays in the shallows, checking off boxes of behavioral compliance. No, it must be deeper than that. Reaching down into the very heart of God himself, a God of self-sacrifice, a God whose love is always overflowing for the life of the world. This is what's behind each and every commandment. And this is what Jesus is trying to get at for his community of followers, that the law in its entirety hangs on the love of God and neighbor. My friends, that's why this passage is really not so tough after all, because it's not about gotchas and harsh rules, threats and unreasonable demands, but rather it's about a way of life that Jesus is offering you and me. He's offering the world a way of life that is not set over against Torah, but rather is the fulfillment of the Torah. A way of life that is ultimately God's blueprint for the flourishing of humanity in God's world. So like the psalmist of old, we aren't to cower in shame whenever the words of Jesus are read aloud, but rather we are to delight in its goodness. This is the way of life. The teachings of Jesus are more to be desired than gold, sweeter than honey dripping from the honeycomb. Yes, they are the sweet commands of Jesus. And so might we go home this week and taste them afresh? Might we spend more time with his sweet commands found in the Sermon on the Mount so that as to hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them so that we may embrace and ever hold fast to the blessed hope of everlasting life? which has been given to us in our Savior, Jesus Christ. Friends, let us never fear the teachings of Jesus, but rather taste and see that the Lord is good and that he is always for our good. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks and praise for giving your son Jesus and by your spirit forming us into a community that houses your very presence, a community that is called to live in ways that bring life and love into a broken and dark word. Change our attitude toward the teachings of Jesus and these so-called hard sayings so that we may not be embarrassed or pull away from them but be drawn in because these are words of life life for the world may we be a community that uh, adheres to that not only on the exterior but in the interior of our hearts have mercy upon us we pray in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit amen